What's shaking fire nation? JLD here and welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire's May 2017's income report. And do we have a report for you? We have Josh Bowerly of CPA on Fire. He's going to be dropping an accounting tip. We have David Lizerbrand, who's going to be dropping a legal tip. Of course, we have the classy, great Kate Erickson on the mic. And we have some awesome things we're going to be talking about today. But before we dive into all of that, our income at a glance for the month of May was gross $196,000, total expenses $81,000, net profits $115,000, and the difference between May and April was a negative $15,000, which we'll begin to getting into some of that coming up here, so don't you go anywhere. But first and foremost, why do we publish an income report? Well, Fire Nation, it's been a while since we talked about this, so I just want you to know, we do this for you because we want you to see what's working for us so that you can replicate our successes And just as importantly, we want you to see and read and listen to what's not working for us so that you can avoid the rabbit holes that we've fallen down, the mistakes that we've made, all in a hope that you can build a business that works for you. So today we're going to be talking about um, a one-day intensive mastermind I did um, with an individual, incredible dude. We're going to be talking about Puerto Palooza, which is the first event that Kate and I threw down in Puerto Rico, and we had a blast. We're talking about a couple other things, but before we get into those things and more, I'm going to pass it on over to Josh Bowerly, Mr. CPA on Fire himself, because he's going to be talking about a charitable donations explanations, because, hey... When you got some extra moolah, when you got some extra moolah hanging around Fire Nation, charity is a great way to go. So, Josh, what do you got for us, brother? Take it away. All right, John. This month we're going to talk about the topic of charitable donations, and this is a topic that's top of mind for me right now because I just got back from representing a client in an audit in the state of Texas, and that audit was based largely on their 2015 charitable donations. So I got to speak firsthand with the IRS and ask them what constitutes a donation, what they want to see with proof of a donation, how you document it, everything that goes with charitable donations. So we're going to go over what exactly those are and how you can kind of bulletproof your charitable donations in the future. All right, so first let's talk about what a charitable donation actually is. All right, to qualify as a tax-deductible donation, that money or property must have been donated to an IRS-approved nonprofit organization. So this is going to include most churches, most schools, uh, places like Goodwill, Salvation Army, anything like that. The big thing it's not going to include is giving money to friends or family in need. Um, a big one, donating at fundraisers. You know, so you have uh, someone you know or a friend of a friend who who has a come down down with some type of illness, and and their friends hold them a benefit, and you go there and give some money. That unfortunately is not a charitable donation. Okay, so if it's going directly to an individual, it's probably not a donation. GoFundMe campaign, same thing. Typically, if the beneficiary is not an actual IRS-approved nonprofit, those GoFundMe donations are not going to be tax deductible. Okay, so the first step is making sure that these donations that you're giving are a charitable donation in the eyes of the IRS, and that requires an IRS-approved nonprofit organization. So next, let's, let's talk about a big one here, and that's what this audit revolves largely around is... 
what records you need to keep to prove to the IRS that these were donations in case you were ever audited, right? Like this client was. And, and this was just a random audit, right? They just randomly got selected. Luck of the draw, unluck of the draw, whatever you want to call it. So they had to come up with this proof. And there's two types of donations that we need to talk about here. The first is cash donations. And this is the easiest one to prove. Right? Typically, this is going to come, for a lot of people, this is going to come in church, right? So they have annual givings to the church. The church prints you out an annual giving statement at the end of the year. That's easy proof that you had a donation there. But you do want to be careful about giving kind of one-off donations. All right, so if you go to, maybe you go to a church one time and you want to give them a $500 donation because you really like this sermon, whatever it is. You do want to make sure that you're writing in your records who that donation went to, um, get as much information about the place, the name, the address. If they'll give you their tax ID number, that's great. Because if you're doing a one-time donation, a lot of times you're not going to get a tax receipt for that. Right? But normally you are. Most people that you give a cash donation to, they're going to give you an actual receipt. That's perfect proof. That's all you need. So for the most part, cash is pretty easy. The tough one is non-cash donations. And this is typically, for most people, this is going to involve, they're taking a, a load of household goods to Goodwill, to Salvation Army, to any of those type of places, right? So you, you have kids and they're, they've outgrown all their toddler clothes. So you take a big box of toddler clothes to Goodwill. Uh, how, how do you prove that? How do you prove how much it was worth? How do you prove what you gave? And there's a few things to keep in mind here. Number one, if the value is under $500, you don't need to worry that much about proof. The IRS doesn't require you to list out individually what each thing was. Just get a slip from the Goodwill, wherever it is, mark the amount that they classified it as, and you're good to go there. If you are over $500, you're going to take, need to take much bigger inventory. You're going to have to mark off on your tax return itself what the individual items you gave were, uh, the rough date of when you purchased it, how much you purchased it for, what the current value is, and, and that's what the dona donation value will be. Okay, so let's run through a scenario. You have a kitchen table that you're not using anymore. You bought a new kitchen table. Uh, you, you don't want to sell it. You just want to give it away and be done with it. All right, so you take it over to Goodwill. You estimate that this table was worth $600 today. You could sell it for $600. That's the value of your donation. All right. So you want to have some type of spreadsheet or whatever it is that you're marking this down and you're saying on June 12th, 2017, I donated a kitchen table that current value of $600 to this Goodwill. I bought it on roughly May 15th, 2012 for $1,200. Right, so that's the kind of information you're going to need. And sometimes it's going to get tough, right? Because if you're donating two giant bags of clothes, how are you going to come up with that? That's where you're going to have to work a little bit with the Goodwill people. Say, hey, I need the tax record here. Can you kind of write down what the rough value of this donation is? You guys can come up with it together. And then in your records, you're going to write various clothing. And for date you bought it, just put various, right? But you're still going to have to come up with a rough rough purchase price. So if, if you and the Goodwill people say that it was worth $500 today, you're going to estimate that you bought it five years ago. You're going to have to come up with it and take a rough guess and say, okay, this, this all probably cost me $3,000 five years ago. Okay. So some of it's going to be coming up with your best guess on it. You're not going to have all the records, but the basics of it are for these non-cash donations, you need to know what you donated, the day you donated it, the value at the time you donated it, and then a rough estimate of when you bought it and what it was worth. Right? Does that make a little bit of sense? I mean, it, like with anything else with the IRS, there's there's three big rules. 
documentation, documentation, documentation. Especially with these non-cash donations, you want to document them. All right. And what I've seen some people do when it's a crazy high amount of donations, I saw one client that had $50,000 in non-cash donations. He literally took pictures of every item he donated so that he could show the IRS if they questioned it, because they're probably going to question it at that amount. Hey, here's the pictures. Here's everything I donated. Okay. So that's what you want to do there. If you do one more thing, if you do have an individual item that's worth over $5,000, the IRS is going to require that you get an individual appraisal on that, right? And where that usually comes into play is automobiles. So you have an old car, you want to donate to an organization that needs it. It's worth over $5,000. Go get an independent appraisal on the value of that car. All right, but that's that's what it basically comes down to is getting as much documentation as you can, noting what you donated, when you donated, and what the worth was. All right, and again, any receipts you can get. Make I, I, I do this all the time. I know it's tempting to do. You go to Goodwill. They ask if you want a receipt. You just want to get out of there. You say, no, don't worry about it. Get that receipt. Have them write the value that you're estimating on it, the date that you donated it. All right, that, that is gold. That's how my client's came away from their audit with no additional taxes on their donations, right? It's because they had this proof ready to go. So charitable donations, they're awesome, right? John, I know you're big on doing charitable donations. They're a great way for you to help other people get a tax deduction for it. But it is an area you want to be careful with. It is an area, especially the years that you have high amounts, you want to have that proof with you, right? So if you do that, you'll be just like my clients from last week. You'll go through that audit, Hopefully you never get one, but if you do, you'll come out scratch-free. You'll be ready to go. As always, if uh, Fire Nation wants to get in touch with us, they can check out our website, cpmfire.com. They can reach out directly to me, josh at cpmfire.com. And we do still have our free course showing people how to choose that proper business entity, which they can get at cpmfire.com slash firenation. Josh, thank you for dropping those value bombs on us, my friend. You, as always, rock the mic and Fire Nation. Don't forget, cpaonfire.com is exactly where you can get more information about Josh. You can email him directly, josh at cpaonfire.com. He loves hearing from you, Fire Nation. And hey, it's the middle of 2017. So if you haven't gotten your 2017 taxes in order for the year yet, now's the time because uh, we've already done two estimated quarterly taxes and you should uh, have as well. So get over to Josh. He'll get you to the promised land. Now, David, you've been patient. Thanks for hanging out, my friend. We're talking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, copywriting and trademarking. This is to protect you, your brand, Fire Nation. So David, take it away, brother. Okay. Today's legal question comes from EOFire listener, Lori Eisenstadt. Hey, Lori. Thanks. The question is, what can I do when someone takes my logo or image and uses it online? So first, we're going to separate logos and images because the rules are slightly different. So let's talk about images. If you create an image, you own the copyright. That's how it works in the U.S. and most other countries. Now, this doesn't apply to like an online meme where you just added some words or something like that. I'm talking about an image that you created yourself from scratch or that an employee created for your company. So let's talk about an image that you own. If you find that someone's taken your image and used it online without your permission, there's a few things you could do. Of course, you can contact the person and nicely ask them to take it down. They may or may not comply. If they do not, you can 
hire a lawyer and sue them for copyright infringement. That is uh, something that you might want to do under certain circumstances, but a lot of times that's kind of an extreme and costly step. Fortunately, there is a simpler and effectively free option. If the website or app or service, wherever the content was used, is located in the U.S. or does business in the U.S., so you know most websites, they are required to comply with the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, uh, also known as the DMCA. The DMCA has what's called a safe harbor provision for online service providers, websites that host user-created content. For example, you know every social media site, every site that has a forum, anything like that. Um, they can't be sued when infringing material appears on the site, as long as they comply with what are called takedown notices. These are notices provided by copyright holders, like you in this example, that a piece of infringing content has appeared on the site. Um, Assuming the website then takes it down, they are in the quote-unquote safe harbor and they are not subject to a lawsuit. So if you go to a website or app that has user-generated content and search around a bit, you'll find a section called copyright or DMCA or legal, something like that. They'll have either a form you can fill out or an email address to which you can send the takedown notice. In most cases, the content will be taken down quickly at that point. Often the site will then initiate some kind of process to ensure that the notice was valid, Um, and that's because some people abuse the DMCA takedown process and use it to take down things that they don't really own. Um, So um, assuming that you're a good actor and you're doing the right thing and you're asking the site to take down... um, content that you legally do own, um, you should be in good shape. But be sure to keep good records of images and other content you create. By content, I'm talking about uh, text, audio, video, you name it. So if you ever have to prove that you or your company actually created it, you'll be able to show that you are the rightful owner and you'll be able to exercise these rights. Okay, that covers images. Let's talk about logos. So some of the same info that applied to images also applies to logos because a logo is a type of image when you think about it. But logos are also trademarks. So a trademark is anything that identifies your company or you as the source of goods or services. If someone's using your logo without permission and they're using it to market competing goods or services, they may be liable for trademark infringement and unfair competition. Now, this is the type of situation where you're definitely going to want to bring a trademark lawyer in to advise you. Trademark law is complex, and there may be valid reasons for someone else to use your logo. For example, if they're doing a sort of taste test to see if consumers prefer your goods or theirs, or if they're reporting factual information about your product or service, they may be within their rights to use the logo. So every time somebody uses your logo, that doesn't mean that they've broken the law or they owe you something. Um, but if they are using it in a way as to pass off their goods or services as though they were yours, you know, then you definitely have uh, a legal issue that needs to be addressed by a lawyer. If you're not ready to hire a lawyer and your trademark is being used online in a manner that you think is violating your rights, you may be also able to take advantage of a takedown procedure similar to the one described in the uh, images section a few minutes ago. 
Again, you can search the website or the app or the service for instructions on how to do so. You can search for the word trademark, and often that'll come up, or legal again, things like that. Sometimes companies kind of combine the copyright and trademark stuff together. So every website, every app is going to be different, but almost all of them that have any kind of user-generated content will have a place for you to register a complaint and rightfully have uh, the infringing content taken down. So to wrap it up, it's important to make sure that your valuable intellectual property is not being used against your wishes. Be sure to search for your brand names regularly on Google and your preferred social networks. And of course, always contact a legal professional if you run into a potentially serious issue. Um, Thanks again to Lori for submitting this question. If you have a legal question that you'd like me to cover on a future EO Fire Income Report, um, you can contact me and I'll be sure to give you a shout out when I join John and Kate to talk about your legal topic. Um, you can uh, contact me uh, on Twitter. It's just my name, David Lizabram, uh, or lizabramlaw.com. If you search for something roughly <laughs> along the lines of how my name is spelled, I'm pretty sure you're going to come up with me. Uh, and finally, if you want to stay on top of how intellectual property issues like trademarks and copyrights affect your business, Uh, You can download a free intellectual property for entrepreneurs checklist through the show notes in this episode. Thanks, and I will talk to you guys on a future income report. David, thank you as always for rocking the mic, my man. And Fire Nation, as always, head over to David's website. Make sure you check out his podcast, Products of the Mind. And of course, email David directly because he's always excited and willing to help out Fire Nation faithful. And that's you because you're listening to this podcast. So as we move on towards the rest of this income report, we're going to be talking about what went down in May. And as I gave a little bit of a teaser of earlier on in this chat, this income report, um, I did, I hosted, I invited down my special now friend, Saul Marquez from Chicago, Chi-Town in the house. And he came down and spent an entire day in Puerto Rico with myself, with Kate. Um, We opened up the doors to our home and we had an absolute blast. Saul was one of the people who, one of the two individuals specifically, uh, who invested in the day with JLD, which was something that I offered as a reward during the Mastery Journal's Kickstarter campaign back in January and February of 2016. So we offered two 10K Day with JLDs. So Saul invested heavily in himself to come down and to hang out with me for a day and for me to kind of take his business, put it through the JLD ringer and see what came out to the other side. And he came down with a plan. This is a guy that's already successful in a lot of areas. So I was really excited to bring him down to Puerto Rico and frankly, we had a blast. I took him on an epic run to where I call Submarine Hill. We got to hang out in my pool. I took him out to some cool restaurants in the Puerto Rico area. But of course, when it came time to get down to business, we got down to business and it was a 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. intensive business one-on-one session. And I took him through what I now am referring to as the JLD method because Saul was doing a lot of things right in his business, but he was also doing some things wrong in his business, frankly. And he was also leaving a lot of opportunities on the table because he was missing a few key things. So I did put him under that quote unquote JLD microscope. I put him through what I call the JLD method. He came out the other side and now Saul has a funnel that I just know when he puts into place and he pushes that publish button on it, 
he is going to literally set his world and his audience's world on fire. So I just can't wait. It's just so exciting for me to be able to take somebody who has so many has who who has so much going for them positively who has a great head on their shoulders is educated is enthusiastic is smart is intelligent is just ready to rock it but they're just missing one two three things they're not small things you know they're big things but they're just missing those one two or three just really important factors in their business that once implemented it's the game changer. It literally can and does change everything. And that's what we did with Saul. And that guy is now off to the races. So we're excited for him. Um, Saul, if you're listening, brother, thanks for that maca, or maybe it's matcha tea that you sent down my way. Um, I actually left about half of the bottle in Puerto Rico, and I wish I had taken it with me to Maine because I'm already missing it. It's a great way to start the day, matcha tea. Uh, So, Kate, you've been patient. You've been quiet. Um, We're 3,323 miles away. I actually Googled it this morning because I was just missing you, and you're over there in San Diego, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Puerto Rico and specifically the Puerto Palooza event that we put on. So, uh, take it away, girl. Ah, uh, miss you too. It's like <laughs> old days. Yeah. Well, like way old days when we very first started dating. John took off to Maine and left me in San Diego. <laughs> um, but I find you. <laughs> Creepy. Um, okay, so Puerto Palooza. Oh my goodness, it was such a blast. And a little bit of background. I think we've talked about Puerto Palooza just a little bit, like as we were prepping for it here yeah. on on one of our previous income reports. Um, so Fire Nation, you kind of know what's up with that. We had this as a pledge level for the Mastery Journal Kickstarter campaign. It's a three-day mastermind, kind of all-inclusive, if you will. And we had five incredible entrepreneurs come join us at our home in Puerto Rico. And it was a lot of planning, a lot of coordinating, um, so much involved. Like I was kind of, we've had requests from Fire Nation a lot. Like, when are you guys going to do your first event? When are you guys going to hold a Fire Nation event? And this was kind of like our first taste of that. Um, John, you've done several of these one days now, but of course, bringing more than, you know, just one individual into the mix brings a lot of other variables into the planning of everything. And so we definitely experienced that a little bit. But when you're doing kind of like a more intimate event like this, and you're charging the premium for that intimacy, um, you know, there's certainly a lot more expected and a lot more involved on the planning side. So like, for example, we, you know, rented out two Airbnbs in our community. Um, We rented a golf cart so that the crew could kind of get around back and forth to our house because (laughs) we actually hosted the mastermind in our home. Um, You know, food and meals and dinners and all that kind of stuff, plane rides, picking people up from the airport, making sure they got back to the airport on time, um, all that good stuff. But it was such an amazing experience. We did five hot seats over two days. So it was a three-day mastermind, but we reserved one of those days as like a fun day in Puerto Rico. So the first two were like down to business, like super intense hot seats. Uh, What did we do? Two hours each, John? Yeah, two hours. Yeah. So I mean, that sounds like a lot. And like, I guess uh, when you think about kind of well, I was timing the day. So, you know, John and I went went over and reviewed like very specific 
time, um, you know, when he wanted me to kind of be like, okay, you've been going for an hour now, like time to kind of move it along. We're halfway through. And I don't know, there's just like so many different aspects that you wouldn't really necessarily think about because you're like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to have five people and you're going to do hot seats. It's a mastermind. But when you start breaking it down, you're like, okay, well, how does each hot seat flow? And um, when do you need to make sure that you're at a certain point in the hot seat? And everybody's hot seat's going to be different, of course, because everybody's at a different place in their business, wants feedback on different aspects. And that was certainly the case with the crew that we had. I mean, we had Allison from Food Heals Nation. So her podcast is all about like healthy and clean eating and how that affects your health. And we had Stephen Cabral, which actually they were probably the two closest in their, in like the background of their business right. because Stephen is, you know, all of, well, how would you explain Stephen's business? Well, he runs an actual wellness center in Boston, Massachusetts, like a physical wellness center that I actually just got to visit earlier this week. I went down to Boston, Massachusetts because now Stephen and myself are, are friends and I went down there, got to meet him in his office on Berkeley Ave, right in downtown Boston. I got a um, lymphatic massage. I did a um, infrared uh, sauna, and then I got to chat with him for a while and chat with actually his massage therapist and other people in his office to just kind of see what he did. But basically, you know, he's he's a naturopathic doctor, so he takes people who are, you know, tired, who are sick, who just know they're not living optimal life, essentially. And he gets to the root cause of that through natural remedies, like eating whole foods and, and, and being supplemented correctly. Like if you're deficient in iron or fill in the blank of a million things you might be deficient in, um, you know, he finds that out and uh, creates a, a plan for you to get back to where you need to be. And, you know, that's something similar, you know, that Allison does as well. So it's something definitely that, you know, they had in common, which is really cool. Yeah. So Stephen had no idea that this weekend would basically be like a million questions for him because yeah. <laughs> once everybody found out what he did, they're like, oh my gosh, what about this? What about that? I even, I kind of pulled him aside for a little bit because I've been dealing with this ear infection for a long time. And I listened to one of his episodes on his podcast, the Cabral Concept is the name of his podcast. And um, he did an episode on ear infections and kind of like at-home remedies. Uh, so I kind of picked his brain about that for a while. So that was probably like a little bit unexpected, but he was such a good sport <laughs> about it. Um, we had Travis Chapel, and he was down. He's working on creating the Build Your Network podcast. So it was pretty cool to talk to him about like the how he came up with the idea for his podcast. Um, we had Thomas Lindsay, who is part of the Small Business Advisory Group. And actually, Tom's hot seat was so much fun because he kind of got up there and we're like, so what are you working on, Tom? And he's like, um, I don't, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> but by the end of his hot seat, like what, he what we went up. through. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so what Tom does is he actually, uh, deals with a lot of like business insurance and kind of like business setup stuff. So if you think about like, all the human resources, things that have to happen in a business, hiring employees, making sure that um, you're following the right laws and all that kind of stuff. But then you bring insurance into the ballgame. And it, it was pretty cool because I think Tom kind of had like that curse of knowledge where he was like, well, it's insurance, like everybody needs insurance. And, and this is how, you know, what I'm providing is different, which he did a great job of kind of describing his UVD. But, um, you know, it was kind of eye-opening, I think, 
for me too, just to go around the room and have people share what a huge pain point this can be and, and how much the lack of knowledge is out there on business insurance. And, you know, like Allison shared her story a little bit and it, I don't know, it's just kind of like I felt a pain too, because John, you and I have gone through some things where we're like, I, I mean, I guess we're doing the right thing, but I don't really know because we just like pay somebody money to take care of this for us. And because we don't know, um, you know, that's not our area of expertise. So, um, yeah, it was really cool to see that. And then Rob, uh, Rob McClellan, he's just like this ball of energy and has so <laughs> much passion and so much knowledge. Um, his business is Leader Tribe. And so he helps uh, kind of establishing leaders and, you know, how to best manage a team, how to be a leader, how to, um, I, I guess a lot of his uh, hot seat was really focused around his podcast too, I guess that he's um, just building now. And, and I know Rob had many aha moments. So the mastermind was just all in all a really great experience for you and I, John, I think because it was like that one-on-one help that we don't typically do in our business. And so to see those breakthroughs and to really help people come up with like actual step-by-step plans for what they were going to do when they got home, like that was just a really great experience for me. Yeah, I mean, and we didn't take it lightly. You know, this was a $6,500 investment for all five of these individuals individually. So each one invested $6,500 to come down for this three-day mastermind, which they knew it was going to be one day of fun, but we knew that, you know, they weren't going to uh, invest $6,500 for just fun. So the two days, we had to make sure every minute was utilized to the maximum capacity of value. And, you know, Kate, Kate and I, we had practiced beforehand, so we were on the clock. We knew how to keep things going. And I, I warned them beforehand. I was like, listen, I'm, I'm going to bring, you know, my military time discipline into this. So um, I'm going to be strict. If I give you guys a 15-minute break, your butts are back in the seat in 14 minutes because we're starting at minute 15. And we adhered to the schedule phenomenally, and everybody's got so much out of it. And, you know, I will say that I just, I'm ecstatic with how Puerto Palooza went. And it really made me think there will be more of these as well. Um, the, you know, the friendships that, that were had and were created during um, the, the three days I know have extended into, you know, quote unquote, the real world now. In fact, uh, Stephen Cabral, him and his family are coming to visit my family here in Maine. Uh, just in two days from when we're recording this episode on June 17th. So it's just cool to see how we're able to sit down for a couple of days, really improve each other's businesses, but then build something even bigger and stronger from that as well. And just knowing where people are going from that is, is super cool. So I'm fired up. And Kate, what are kind of your wrap-up thoughts about uh, Palooza? Yeah, we also have Travis and his wife coming to Australia now to do We Are Podcast, which is going to be really cool. Um, so yeah, absolutely. The relationships that were built that weekend will certainly extend far beyond that. Um, we've been lucky to spend a lot of time with people like Allison and Tom, who are both attendees on the podcast cruise. Rob, we've seen him at a couple events. So we hope that we'll be seeing much more of everyone in the future. Um, and actually, speaking of podcast conferences, if you are into podcasting or you want to learn more about podcasting, Uh, podcast movement is coming up here pretty quick in Anaheim in August. Um, We have a pretty special discount if you haven't snagged your ticket yet for podcast movement. And uh, that is promo code FIRE. 
And that'll get you 15% off your tickets, one of the highest discounts available. So um, make sure you snag your ticket. We love to see you at Podcast Movement. And yeah, Portapalooza, our third day, we did a catamaran trip. Super, super fun. We did snorkeling and we were just out in the sun all day having a great time. Um, wrapped everything up with an amazing barbecue pool party back at our place that night and everybody was off the next day. So yeah, it'll be cool to uh, see what's in store for Puerto Palooza part two. And by the way, pictures are awesome on the income report. That's eofire.com slash income 45. We have some incredible pictures of the Palooza, as well as some other cool pictures that Kate slapped up there as well. So definitely head over to eofire.com slash income45, because this is our 45th income report, which brings me to the income breakdown for May. And our product and service income was $131,000. We had actually a total of 963 journals were sold. So Mastery and Freedom Journals keep flying off the shelves. That's a total Fire Nation of just under $38,000. For one month, $38,000 of revenue was generated from these two $39 journals. Uh, the Freedom Journal brought in $19,000. The Mastery Journal brought in $18,000. So it's crazy like how close their numbers continue to be since uh, the Mastery Journal became available um, post Kickstarter campaign, they're just like so. It's so it's, it's almost eerie, but uh, it's, it's really cool to see they both just sell at a very high and uh, comparative rates. Podcasters Paradise brought in twenty five thousand dollars for the month of May. Our sponsorship income was sixty two thousand um, dollars. Podcast websites brought in five thousand dollars for our. Um, salary side of that as co-owners of podcast websites. And again, that's your all-in-one podcast peace of mind. So if you want to check out podcastwebsites.com, that's all you need to do. And <clears throat> excuse me, podcastwebsites.com will be the place you can get a free 15-minute consultation with one of our podcast website experts. They will just walk you through the process. They're amazing. I uh, love that team over there. Um, we have affiliate income that brought in $65,000, 49000 of which, by the way, was ClickFunnels. They're just an amazing affiliate partner of ours. We use them for so many things, for our free podcast course, our free webinar course, our free goals course, our Funnel on Fire course. We use ClickFunnels, and they make us so much money, and we recommend them to you, Fire Nation, um, and of course, we get a piece of that uh, piece of that pie when we send clients to ClickFunnels, which again added up to forty nine thousand eight hundred and sixty three dollars just for the month of May. And I can tell you, it looks like June's going to be even higher than that, which is just crazy. But if you want to learn more about ClickFunnels, then go to eofire.com slash click, and uh, you can uh, register for a completely free webinar uh, that Russell Brunson puts on about ClickFunnels. It's amazing. I love it. It's awesome. Um, we also brought in $2,500 through coaching referrals. So if you're looking for a mentor for podcasting or just overall online business, shoot me an email, john at eofire.com. I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore, but I have a great um, kind of list of mentors that I recommend. And based on where you are, then I will get you to the right place. 
we have uh, about $4,200 we made, 4233 specifically with Davis Eitman Garland's Create Awesome Online Courses. Uh, Ramit Sethi's, um Zero to Launch brought in 2300 for us and a bunch of other things that we, again, all list at eofire.com slash income. 45. Now our expenses, not small, my friends, $78,000 in expenses. And again, we list those out. A lot of that um, are, you know, we have, geez, I'm looking at some things. Amazon fees was $12,000. Note to John, buy some Amazon stock because apparently I'm paying them a lot of money. Um, Just, you know, design, branding, uh, different things that we've done. Um, a lot, a lot of things, but you know, it's how you run a business and we list them all out. So check that out. And so that brought our total net profit to $115,000. Um, really cool. And Kate, we're going to talk about engaging with your audience. Um, I know that May was the start of season six in Kate's take, which by the way, uh, Fire Nation, if you're not listening to get over there because value bombs are dropped. So talk to us about the biggest lesson learned, which is the engaging with your audience. Yeah, so this was kind of one of those things where uh, it's something that I do every season on the podcast is, you know, engaging with my audience, which we practice and preach uh, for entrepreneurs on fire as well. John, you do a lot of engaging with Fire Nation via email, via surveys, um, lots of different ways to engage with your audience. And I thought that this would be a good lesson learned to share because I kind of wanted to just break down how... I engage with my audience for Kate's Take and how that benefits the podcast. So, John, as you said, season six um, was throughout the month of May and actually a little bit into June as well. In season six, I focus on project management. So what I've been doing is taking a single topic and then running that through an entire season. So having one focus, which is super helpful for me, it helps me create the best content I feel And it's great for my listeners because they know that for that entire season, I'm going to be doing a way deep dive. And I learned so much through creating the posts and episodes for the season, especially when it came to hearing straight from my listeners about the specific struggles that they're currently facing. And so what I do in between each of my seasons in order to come up with that topic, like the way that I even came up with project management for season six and the way I came up with systems for season two and goals for season one and productivity for season five um, is I create a Google form and a speak pipe, pipe form. And then I ask my audience to help me with what it is that I'm going to discuss. So this is one-on-one engagement with your audience is just golden when it comes to understanding their biggest pain points and coming up with new ideas for what you can create for them. So if you're starting a business and you're kind of thinking like, well, I kind of feel like I know what I'm going to create, but I'm not really sure if there's an audience out there for it. That's why it's so, so important to know who your avatar is so that you can actually go out and talk to them. So if you're feeling like, Maybe you need some new ideas for your content. If you're thinking about coming up with a product or you're thinking about offering a service to your audience, these one-on-one conversations can be so incredibly helpful for the direction of where you're going to go and for confirming that there's even a want or a need for it out there. 
So um, I'm going to go through the steps that, that I take every time I create one of these pages for um, engaging with my audience, for figuring out what I'm going to cover on the next season of my podcast. And again, you could do this page just to engage with your audience, period. It doesn't have to be for a podcast. It doesn't ha- It might be for your blog. It might be for a new email series you're creating. It might be for a product you're thinking about. So um, the very first step is to set up the page. So once you have the goal in mind, and in this case, it was for me to collect input for my next season on the podcast, I'm going to set up the page that I'm going to be directing people to. So for this, I just log into our website, I add a new page, and once I give the page a title and write a line or two about what the page, the purpose of the page, that when people land on it, they know they're in the right place. Then step two, I'm going to create a Google form and a SpeakPipe box. So because I'm asking my listeners to visit this page that I created and either fill out a Google form or leave me a SpeakPipe message, my next step is to create those two things. I'm going to put those two things on this page so that when people get there, then they can either click on a link to fill out the Google form. Google form and SpeakPipe are like really difficult to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the Google form is just going to simply ask them what topic they'd like to hear about most. So I have like a few options listed, but then I also put in other options so people could write anything that they want. Um, And then I create the SpeakPipe box, which allows people to send me voice messages, which is really cool because then I can use those on the podcast. Like I'll use those recordings throughout the season. Um, You can check out like the setup of exactly what I'm talking about. If you go to eofire.com slash season and the number seven, that's actually the page that I have set up right now for taking in ideas for what season seven is going to be about. Um, So you can kind of get a rundown of everything that I'm talking about. You can visually see it there, eofire.com slash season and the number seven. And once you have those set up, number three is to create the call to action. So you have your page, you have your form, you have your speak pipe box. Now you need to figure out what you're going to say to actually get people there. So my call to action is typically in the intro and outro of at least three or four episodes um, of the previous season. So like when I closed out season six, I let people know on the podcast, hey, if you want to help me um, come up with the idea for season seven, you can head over to eofire.com slash season number seven. I have a Google form there. I have a speak pipe message box. You can leave me a message. I love hearing from you. Of course, your call to action is going to vary based on you know what it is. Maybe you just want to have one-on-one chats with your audience. And so maybe Maybe you'll say like, hey, I'm offering up a 10-minute, totally free, no strings attached chat. I just want to get to know you better. I want to hear from you what it is that you're struggling with. I'd love to help you with what you're struggling with most in your business right now. Um, Head over to this URL, fill out this form, or schedule a chat with me. That is a really great way to kind of get people to where you want them to go. And then, of course, finally, step number four is to encourage that engagement. So don't just think that um, asking for input one time is enough. You really, really have to encourage it. You have to repeat that call to action. You have to um, think about where people are when they're hearing your call to action. So 
when I'm saying a call to action on my podcast, I know that chances are people are doing other things while they're listening. So they might not be in a position to be able to go to the URL that I give them right away. So you want to make sure that you have that repetition, that you're asking more than just one time. Don't just ask once and then when nobody comes, throw your hands up and say, well, I asked, but nobody came. You got to repeat, 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 follow up, follow up. I think that was my um, income report tip last month is follow up, follow up, follow up. So follow up. (laughs) Um, And then just one bonus step, if you want to take that engagement to a whole new level, I very briefly mentioned this already, you could actually add a scheduler link on the page where you're sending people so that they could sign up for a one-on-one chat. So Calendly is a great um, resource for this. Schedule Once will give you a scheduler link so people can actually click on that link and just uh, fill out a form, which will then reserve a time with you where you can connect on Skype or Zoom or Google Hangouts. And you can actually have that 10-minute one-on-one time and talk to your audience, engage with your audience, hear what it is that they're struggling with, hear the words that they're saying. And this is really going to help you in any and all areas of your business, whether it's coming up with content, coming up with a product or a service idea, and really just being able to serve your audience best. Boom, mic drop, Fire Nation, value bombs on eofire.com slash income 45. This is May 2017's income report. Kate, do you want to leave Fire Nation with any kind of parting words of wisdom? Fire Nation, I hope that you have an amazing day. And like John said, don't forget to head over and check out the post that accompanies this income report because we have some really great images from our Palooza mastermind. And you can get the rundown of those steps that I just covered, eofire.com slash income and the number 45. Fire Nation, halfway through 2017, I hope that your goals are getting you to where you want and where you need to be. If you're still listening, you're amazing. And I really hope that you got some value from this. Use promo code podcast if you decide to pick up either the Freedom or Mastery Journal or both um, at thefreedomjournal.com or themasteryjournal.com. It's going to give you a nice little special discount for being a podcast listener. That's discount code podcast for either one of those. So your next 100 days could either be in accomplishing your number one goal or in mastering productivity, discipline, and focus in those 100 days. Fire Nation, you rock, and we will catch you on the flip side.